You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Before we get into the recap of Kentucky's 31-23 win over Northern Illinois, I would like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. You can post your job for free over at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, like I mentioned, going to be recapping Kentucky football's victory over the NIU Huskies. A little bit of a struggle win for the Wildcats, but nonetheless, they got it done. Also going to be talking about Kentucky's matchup this weekend with the Ole Miss Rebels. Kentucky going to be on the road in Oxford. Top 15 matchup. Going to talk about the importance of a potential win for the Wildcats and what it could mean for the program. But to start things off here, recapping again. 31-23 to was the final score. Kentucky gets it done. Victory over Northern Illinois. My first note after watching this game. That was not good. It was not good. Now, now is it unacceptable? No, because Kentucky found a way to win and they got it done. But there was consistent themes of like, okay, why is that an issue? Okay, why is this an issue? And they weren't necessarily resolved after the first half like they have been in a couple of other contests for the Wildcats so far this season. The issues stayed all the way up until the very end of the game all the way up until where NIU was kicking an onside kick, perfectly executed, might I add, by the Huskies. Kentucky finds a way to hold on to the ball. It it just was not a good game. Wasn't a fun game. Wasn't a good game. But hey, Kentucky won. And there are some bright spots uh, from this game, particularly uh, in the passing game. I'm going to get to that later on. But first of all, I've got six takeaways from this game. We're going to get to three here first. What's up with the offensive line? Everybody knows. Everybody knows. We've talked about it a lot on the show. The offensive line for Kentucky is not good. I don't want to sit here and say, oh, it's nowhere near anything it was last year. But, I mean, statistically, you look at what Kentucky's doing. Five sacks in this game. Five sacks against Northern Illinois. We talked about them being a hard-nosed MAC team. But, like, you gave up five sacks to NIU. 2.9 yards per carry. Kentucky, by the way, for anybody out there wondering, 125th nationally in yards per carry at 2.4. 2.4 2.4 yards per carry so far this season for, season for the Wildcats. The only Power 5 schools in the bottom 110 in the country are Boston College, Iowa, Virginia Tech, Texas Tech, and Colorado. Those are the offenses in the Power 5 that you are in company with right now. That's not good. That's not good. That's not good. Chris Rodriguez and Cavassier Smoke, I think, should be the only two backs to touch the ball moving forward. And after Cavassier being fumble-prone again, losing a ball before the end of the half and and NIU going to immediately score off of that turnover. Should it just be the C-Rod show from here on out? I mean, if he's ready to go, he's ready to go this weekend against Ole Miss. We'll talk about that later on in the week, about what that matchup could mean uh, for the Wildcats. Could be huge. Genuinely could be huge. The fact that Kentucky can't utilize Levis's running game because the offensive line's ineptitude is detrimental to this offense and their game plan. Now, obviously, Kentucky's been able to scheme around a lot of different things. We're actually going to talk about that later on, coaching through the issues for the Wildcats. But, man, the offensive line, through four games now, 
It's just not good. We're not seeing anything. We're not seeing, we're not even seeing potential. Like, oh, look, there's a stretch of plays where Kentucky established things on the line of scrimmage. No, we haven't seen that. Now, we saw a couple of plays in the Florida game. We saw it on maybe one play in this game. It's not working. It's not working. But thankfully, the coaches have found a way to scheme around it, unlike some other schools in this conference. We, we can't keep up with that forever. If Kentucky wants to be an SEC championship contender, if they want to go and beat Georgia later on this year, they have to clean that up. Otherwise, the dogs are going to eat them alive. I know a lot of people are going to sit here and say, but Lance, Georgia just struggled against Kent State. Yeah, so did, I guess, half a dozen other national championship teams over the past decade. I mean, people struggle. You remember Ohio State in 2014 when they lost at home? No, was it at home? I don't remember. They lost to Virginia Tech to begin the year. And then they went on and won the national championship as the four seed in the first ever college football playoff. Teams struggle. Teams struggle sometimes. And maybe this is one of those games where you can sit here and say, well, it's the same thing for the Wildcats, but that's the problem is Kentucky has had these issues up front and they've had issues at different spots throughout all four of these games. The second point here, the receiving core may be the best that Kentucky has had under Mark Stoops. Let's flip over to a positive. So the offensive line's not working. Great. Kentucky's finding ways to move around that, and they've got one of the best receiving cores that they've had underneath their coach, period. It's a young receiving core. We talked about that, but it's very, very talented. I'm literally just sitting here laughing, looking at the box score from this game, just thinking about, man, Barry and Brown. I know that we, no disrespect to the young man, We've talked about Dane Key and about how I predicted him to be over Barry and Brown second uh, on the team in, the, in receiving yards at the end of the year is, was my prediction before the beginning of the season. But Barry and Brown, uh, a very, very talented receiver in his own right, 100 yard, 102 yards receiving in this game, two touchdowns, had a 70-yard touchdown. You like the speed in this unit, and that's actually something that I put down in my notes watching this game. Speed kills. Kentucky has plenty of it in this receiving core. Dane Key is another guy that has shown off his speed so far this year. Tavion Robinson, I know it's, it's, it's so odd to me how Kentucky has moved on from Wandale and we have these young receivers in this offense moving primarily through the passing game, right? I don't see a ton of people talking about the lead receiver and Robinson. I don't see a ton of people talking about it. Seven receptions, 147 yards, two touchdowns, had a 69-yard touchdown of his own. Nice there. Two touchdowns for Robinson, two touchdowns for Barry and Brown. So that means Will Levis, just to take a look at his numbers real quick, 18 of 26 passing, 303 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, 82.3 QBR, was sacked five times, and man, on a couple of those touchdowns throws, I believe a couple of them on third down, if I'm not mistaken, one of them on third and long for sure. He had to evade pressure. He had to evade pressure. Kentucky's got really, really good skill position players that are bailing them out in certain spots, but man, they have got to be able to get the ball to these receivers quicker, I think. And that's something that I've got in my notes later on, and they're doing a good job of that, but maybe the best receiving core that Stoops has had. Speed kills, room has it. And then the final point here before we, before we move on to the rest. Kentucky is at least coaching through the issues right now. They're running those quick hitters. I think they need to do more of that this weekend if they see the running game's not working early against Ole Miss. We can break that down throughout this week as much as possible. Stoops said it in his press conference, and I just said it here. Stoops said, you know, we've got a great quarterback. We've got really good receivers. People are starting to appreciate the run game now. Five years ago, people didn't appreciate crap. They didn't appreciate anything. But now they're starting to respect that, and they're starting to appreciate it. 
The fact that Stoops and his staff are aware enough of the problems to play call around them and find success is really, really good to see, especially considering uh, a team that I happen to cover quite a bit, a couple other teams in the SEC actually that I happen, happen to cover are struggling with scheme issues, particularly with the offensive line, and they're not finding ways to get around that. Like multiple teams, not just in this conference, but in the country are, are, are struggling to do that. The fact that Kentucky has found a way, it's great. There's going to come a game this season, though, where Kentucky does find success running the football. There was a really nice run by Smoke later in the second quarter of this game where Northern Illinois knew Kentucky was going to run the ball because Kentucky was backed up on their own goal line. There's going to come a, a, a game where Kentucky has several types of runs like that. Maybe it's with C-Rod. Maybe it's with Smoke. I don't know. It's going to happen because if Kentucky continues to find success running these quick passes, running this passing game as efficiently as they have through a couple of these games, teams are going to stop loading the box and they're going to start respecting the passing game. They're going to start respect, respecting these receivers. You're going to see things open up. I believe that. Now, will that happen this weekend? I don't know. I don't know. That's a conversation for another day of this week. All right, before we move on to the three other points that I had, recapping Kentucky's win over Northern Illinois, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, moving along here on the Monday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Daw here with you, hanging out, talking about Kentucky's 31 to 23 win over Northern Illinois. Three more points here, and then we'll talk about the Wildcats game against Ole Miss later on this week. Kentucky's been really good at getting off the field defensively on third down. Like, really, really good through these first four games. Here's a number for you. The Wildcats are sixth nationally in opponent third down conversion percentage. Really, really, really good stuff. Northern Illinois, 6 of 15 on third down in this game. That's 40%. That's not phenomenal, but Kentucky continues to get it done. Defensively, I've talked about it from top to bottom. This team is sound. Defensive line, linebacker, secondary, which is much improved from where it was a season ago. It's all good. It's a unit. It's a core. It's something that you can build upon moving down the road. And if you were getting off the field like this for the rest of your SEC slate, you're going to win a lot of games. Love what Kentucky's doing defensively. Love the scheme. Love everything that's going on. I mean, you can point to a couple different players here and there, right? You can absolutely do that. But as a whole, I really, really like what Kentucky's doing. Jack West Jones, by the way, in case you're wondering, 12 total tackles in this game against Northern Illinois. 12. 12. That's great. DeAndre Square and Jordan Wright backing him up with six apiece, uh, as well as Ion Childress, by the way, somebody that's stepping up as of late. Defense back there for the Wildcats. Another point here, Kentucky is, how do I phrase it? Teams are making Kentucky pay for their mistakes. Teams are making Kentucky pay for their mistakes, and somehow the Wildcats are still winning. You see the fumble from Smoke before the score, and then the score at the half, right? 
The turnovers from Will Levis. He continues to throw an interception a game. It just about it feels like, although the last two games, I think he hasn't thrown a pick. But then again, they've been against group of five schools and FCS opponents. So what do we know? The offensive line issues, the special teams mishaps at Florida. Kentucky's not flawless, but they've adjusted and they continue to perform well. The fact that Kentucky, again, I want to re, I want to reemphasize this. The fact that Kentucky, it's clear that they have deficiencies in certain areas and their coaching staff is still finding ways to kind of glue it together. And it's not like a patchwork type of feel. Like it feels like it's meant to be. It's great. Now, the question you have to ask here is how long can Kentucky keep that up? And I think we're going to get a really good answer to that question this Saturday whenever Kentucky kicks off at 11 a.m. in Oxford. By the way, I hate the fact that the game is at 11 a.m. I hate that. Why could you not get them a game later on in the evening? This is a top 15 matchup in the best conference in the country. Get them a night game. Nope, 11 a.m. Because apparently Auburn LSU draws more attention, even though Auburn is probably the worst team in the SEC. I would take Vanderbilt over Auburn right now. And LSU is probably going to go in there, what, win by 14, 21? Who cares about that game? Let the good teams play at the best times. Kentucky, Ole Miss, let's do it. Anyway, small rant aside. Kentucky almost messed it up with the onside kick at the end, though. We're talking about, we're talking about teams making Kentucky pay for their mistakes. They almost had them. This was almost not a point. Almost had them. Unfortunately, they did not make them pay. And then the final point here. The final point here. Kentucky has made it without Chris Rodriguez They've made it to the Ole Miss game. They're finally going to get to see what this offense does, and that's the question, and we will continue to ask that and break that down with other people on the show throughout this week. What will Kentucky's offense do? How dynamic can it now become now that one of the SEC's best running backs is reinstated from his suspension? I don't know if reinstated is the correct correct word there, but you get my point. He's back. He's back. Cue the Eminem song. But, yeah, I'm excited to see what this offense does now that Kentucky cannot have kind of operate at full force, even though, like we mentioned, the offensive line is kind of holding them back from maybe doing that. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll break down some numbers. We'll get some thoughts from other people and see kind of what this offense does against Ole Miss. Something I want to point out before we move on to talking about what this win could mean. You know, Ole Miss didn't look great this, week, or this past weekend. They played Tulsa. And they won by eight. 35 to 27 was the final score. I wrote an article the other day about that game being something to keep an eye on. Tulsa had one of the top offense, passing offenses in the entire country. I believe they're fourth right now. At one point, they were first. They, they were a top five passing offense in the country. And I was like, that's an interesting game where I think Tulsa covers. And you may want to keep an eye on that because Ole Miss has looked really good at times this year. Their defense has looked way better than I think I, I, think, than I thought it was going to. But that's a game where can, Ole Miss can slip up. And, of course, you know, we were talking about the passing game. Tulsa's two quarterbacks in the, in, the, in the contest combined to throw for less than 200 yards. And the starting quarterback actually got hurt midway through the second quarter. So what does anybody know? And also on top of that, they ran for like 261 yards. So what do we know? Anyway, I want to talk about what this win could do for the Wildcats, not just this season, but moving forward as a program in just a moment. Before I do that, though, I want to remind you guys to just subscribe If you're listening on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast right now. It doesn't take you anything other than about two seconds to go and click the button. If you're listening on podcast, leave a review for the show. I will read it. If you give me a five-star review, I'll give you a shout-out. Just leave a review. I'm vain. I want to hear what you guys have to say. So 
go ahead and do that. And then again, subscribe, like, comment, ask me questions. We're going to get to several listener questions this week. I have compiled them. I am not forgetting them. I answered one on yesterday's show. We're going to get to several of them uh, as the week goes on. But yeah, subscribe, rate, review. That's all you got to do. All right, wrapping up the Tuesday, or excuse me, the Monday edition of Locked On Kentucky. What a win this weekend would do for the Wildcats. Number seven, Kentucky. On the road at number 14, Ole Miss. In case anybody out there is wondering, wondering, Kentucky's highest ranking ever as a program, at least from what I could find, was number five in 1964. Number seven for the Wildcats currently is their highest ranking since 1977. So Kentucky right now on the verge of maybe if they pick up this win, getting, tying their highest ranking in program history. So that's a huge, <laughs> that's a huge point. You're just like, oh yeah, by the way, if you beat Ole Miss on the road this this weekend, you know, you could be sitting in uncharted territory for, for your programs in their history ever, period. Three and a half points in favor of Ole Miss is what the line is courtesy of Bet Online there. And something I want to point out before we move on to the other points. And you've probably heard this. Whenever you look at betting lines for different college football contests, more often than not, the home team gets a three-point advantage to begin with. A home, home field advantage is worth about three points, according to Vegas. So that means Ole Miss, according to Vegas, I guess, or bet online, believes that Ole Miss is half a point better than Kentucky, a.k.a. this is a toss-up game. I also want to harken back to the fact that Ole Miss only beat Tulsa by eight points. If we thought that or Kentucky was the only one struggling, struggling, in air quotes there, heading into this game, yeah, the Rebels only just beat the Golden Hurricane by eight. Not good. Not good for either team right now, to be honest with you, heading into this game, having uh, defeated uh, significantly lesser opponents by smaller margins than what would have once been projected. Here's a number for you. This would be Kentucky's second road win over a top 15 opponent this season. And I know that some of you are out there saying, man, Florida's not that good, guys. They just got beat by Tennessee. By the way, a couple of those Florida touchdowns scored in garbage time. That was a five-point win for the Vols. It was not that close. No, it wasn't. But yeah, top 15 win for, for Kentucky, their second road win uh, of, uh, against a top 15 opponent this year. Uh, I'll take that. And again, like I said, people are going to say Florida's not a top 25 team. Well, they were at the time. They had just beaten number seven, number seven, Utah. Put number seven in air quotes there again. So yeah, I'll take that. Their resume looks good. I don't care what ESPN's FPI says. They can go and shove it. I think that Kentucky right now has one of the best records from a strength of schedule standpoint in the SEC. Everybody can disagree with that. I don't care. It's two top 15 wins. Go cry about it. It would be Kentucky's third 5-0 start in the last five seasons. Just a couple days ago, I went back and looked at, you know, the, the Mark Stoops era as a whole for the Wildcats. You, go, you ever go, to, go over to sportsreference.com? You ever, ever go over to collegefootballstats.com and just look for a little bit? I do, for fun. But yeah, I, I went back and looked at Kentucky's, you know, the records, who they've beaten, who they've lost. You just kind of soak in the Mark Stoops era and just kind of appreciate the point that we've come to Right now, as one of the best teams in the entire country, uh, some people may disagree with that. That's okay. I'm just happy that the Wildcats are ranked where they are right now. Let us have our moment is what I would say to those people. 
But yeah, third 5-0 and start in the last five seasons. Kentucky started 6-0 and last year. If they can get a win after this at Ole Miss, they would already be bowl eligible. Halfway through the season, check them all off as dubs. That would be awesome. And then the final thing here. It would also be Kentucky's 11th win against a top 25 opponent under Mark Stoops. And it would also be their fourth win over a top 15 opponent during his tenure. It would only be Kentucky's fourth win over a top 15 opponent since 2013. And most of those, I think all of them actually have come within like the last five years. So Kentucky's on the come up, duh. But this would be just another signature win for Mark Stoops and company. Man, that Tennessee game, I'll tell you what though, it's looming large. If Kentucky can find a way to get past this one, I don't want to start looking ahead because Ole Miss is a good opponent. They have a decent defense. They have an offense that can be explosive. Everybody knows Lane Kiffin is just an interesting play caller. I'll say that. It works sometimes. But yeah, this would be a huge win for Kentucky. And then you think about what it would do just outside of this for a second, right? Obviously, recruiting, I think, is the biggest thing you have to think about in this game. If you win this and you bump up to number six or number five in the country, you can start to really build some momentum again on the recruiting trail after pulling, up, pulling off a top 15 class this, this last cycle. And then just moving down the line, look, with Texas and Oklahoma moving into the SEC, I think that landscape out there is going to start to become a little bit more prominent in SEC recruiting circles. I know Texas obviously is already, but for a program like Kentucky to be on the top end of the conference whenever those two teams move in, does, do, does that area of the country, maybe specifically in Texas, what I'm talking about here, become a little bit more accessible to Mark Stoops and his staff if it is not already becoming that in terms of recruiting? I don't know. It's an interesting question. Does Kentucky's recruiting horizon expand if they start to win more? I think that's kind of an, it's not necessarily an obvious yeah, but I think that, that it is. But anyway, that's what a win this weekend could do for the Wildcats. Long-term, I think it does a ton for recruiting and solidifying the Wildcats as one of the better, one of the premier teams in a premier conference whenever things start to expand. And once the playoff expands, Kentucky is one of those teams, if Stoops is still here, Kentucky's one of those teams that will get in, they'll be, they'll be a top 12 team, and they'll be a team that you don't want to face regardless of wherever the opponent is ranked because they're sound on, at every single position. They're well-coached. They're disciplined, and they're starting to get some of that uh, top-end talent. That's a dangerous team. You don't want to play that ever at any point, regardless of how good you're, how it could be Alabama, it could be Georgia, it doesn't matter. That's a team that can scare you. So this could be not necessarily a program-defining victory, but it could be, it could be one of those turning points for the Wildcats. Of course, they have to do a lot more this season to have a turning point as a season, but yeah. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. You can follow the show on Instagram at Kentucky Podcast. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on UK. Any questions, comments, concerns, you can leave them in the YouTube comments below or hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and God bless.